I'm going to share a little word with you tonight before we go to prayer. And uh, it, 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 uh, like I said, starting out, it, it kind of went along with, um, <clears throat> kind of went along with what I was talking tonight with Sue and Mike and some things. She, she's got a book over there, and it's a pretty interesting looking book, but. Kind of goes with what we was looking at this morning of how we come before God, and when we come before God, God will, as we come through that door, the door is Christ, and as we advance toward the presence of God, as we make our way through the tabernacle, then we have all the things, and really particularly what we find in the New Testament of how we live. And He gives us so much good word that we apply to our lives and if we will do what God says remember what I said this morning when he built the tabernacle he continually if you read through through Exodus Leviticus Numbers you'll find that God was continually repeating himself it's almost boring to read ain't it anybody else know what I'm talking about you start reading through that and God is doing a whole lot of repetitious talk saying the same thing here, and then he says it here, and in that chapter we read this morning, Exodus 40, we only read half of the chapter because the other half of the chapter was actually Moses doing what God said, and he basically repeated the words of what he did. And so we see that, and when God's repeating something, he's letting us know this is of importance. Take note, learn it, put it in your spirit, get it in your heart. This is how I do business. Anything outside of that, then we can't say that we're in the will of God. So many times when, <clears throat> y'all excuse me, what did I do with that water this morning? Many times when we're going through life and when we're facing things, we get tempted by things. And by the way, temptation ain't always just doing something. Let me not say that that way. Temptation ain't just me doing the outward things that you see that you call sin. That is sin. God, the Bible calls sin. I'm not trying to belittle it. Temptation is some things that goes on inside of me. That God calls sin, nobody can see that a lot of times. Some people can, but it, you can keep it hid. You can keep it hid from the people around you, particularly if you stay away from the people around you. Keep your distance, build your walls, hide in those places, and then the Word of God can't come in and do something inside of us, but yet that's what the whole tabernacle teaching is about this morning. It's advancing with God. And so he's showing us how we can walk. Now, when, when Megan was little, Pete, and you might remember this, Ashley, be good. How many of y'all remember her doing this little poem that she'd get up, Brother Murphy used to do it all the time, called Excuses? Pete, do you remember that? You want to give it to us? You remember doing it, but you don't remember verbatim. But it kind of went something like this, you know, excuses, excuses, you, excuses, excuses, you hear them every time, every day. The devil will supply you if from church you stay away. We got all kinds of excuses happening in our world, and we are paying people millions of dollars to help us with excuses 
to explain away God, to explain why we're walking where we're walking, and yet we got free right here from the Word of God. He tells us how to take care of business. That's all a part of making it to the presence of God in the tabernacle. You come in through Jesus, you get cleansed, and then you go into the Holy of Holies once you're anointed with the Spirit, and you get to this place now that you can actually feast on the Word, and when you read it, it means something, and it'll cut quick. Remember I told you a few weeks back, God's, God's Word is like a scalpel, and it cuts, and it has to hurt before it can heal. That happens. Okay, so... Know that in your walk, but he chastises those whom he loves, the Bible tells us. So when God's given us a little whipping, understand it's about love. I've given Megan and Ryan a few whippings in their time, and it was all out of love. It wasn't out of anger. It, wasn't, it was out of love so that they would learn, hey, trouble lies here to stay away from it. And sometimes God takes us down that road. So we're going to go to James chapter 1, verse number 12. And I think we're going to read through 16 probably. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, let me read that again. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. That means it's going to come. Brother Danny, you might be in a good spot now, but next week, week after next, next year, somewhere along the line, something's going to come. There's going to be a temptation there. Endure it. Because there's a crown of life that is promised. Verse 13, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Now, isn't that strange? When the temptation comes... We got to know inside of our hearts where it's coming from. God says, okay, I'm going to allow it. I'm going to use it to grow you. But the temptation did not come from God, according to what the Bible says. Do we believe what the Bible says tonight? Amen if we do. So we do. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then... When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. You see that progression there? And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And he finishes up. I'm going to stop right here in verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Now he gives us something there that, that is huge. Temptation is going to come in your life. It's going to happen. But overcome. That's what we do. We overcome. Because there's a crown of righteousness that is promised. The word responsible. We hear that all the time, talking to the young people to be responsible adults. Will adults be responsible adults? Amen? Amen. And so we have this word here. We have to be responsible, meaning that what we do and say, we have to be responsible for. We're going to give an account to the Lord Jesus someday. Amen? We're going to stand before him, and he says in the word, that every word, everything that we say, we're going to give an account for. We're going to stand before him, and we're going to have that. That means that we are responsible for our actions. We can't blame others. And we're living in a society today 
that it's everybody else's fault is why I am the way I am. I could easily do that myself. As a pastor of this church, I could easily say whatever I wanted to say, and I could blame Sweetie, and I could blame my kids. I could blame Brother Willie because, you know, he only comes once a, once a blue moon. I could lay out all these excuses. I can pick on him because he knows what I'm doing here. I'm just making an, an example here. That's not him. Brother Will don't show up to church. I'm calling and find out what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Because if he ain't here, something's happening. He don't miss. He's here more than I'm here. But you see what I'm talking about, Brother Randy, Sister Susie, you guys are always here unless you tell me you're going somewhere. When y'all don't show up, I know something's up. Some others, when they don't show up, well, that's kind of normal. Just don't know when it's going to be. Does that make sense? And so... But we're going to give an account of everything. We have to be responsible. Now that word responsible comes from two words, and it's response and able. And it means able to respond, right? That's what responsible is. And the only difference in a reaction and a response is a simple word called choice. We get to make choices, and we get to make them every day. And a Christian's... One of the things that we have to do is we have to quit making excuses for overreacting sometimes in things. We need to quit making excuses and begin taking responsibility for our choices. Amen? We have choices to make. Bob was bad to me. You don't know what Bob's done to me. I cannot, as a Christian who believes the Bible, teaches the Bible, sit here and say, well, it's okay to be bitter at Bob. It's not. Now, if I said it was, now I'm going to be responsible for that choice that I made because I didn't want to tell you the truth. You see what I'm talking about? And so we're going to be responsible to the Lord so these things come into our lives. And we make our own choices. Amen? says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Now that tells me that blessed people are going to have some temptations come along sometimes. It's going to happen to us. They get tempted too. And there are different types of, of temptation. There's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. In 1 John 2, 16, let me read that. For all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, if that's sitting inside of us tonight, we have to know that didn't come from heaven. That didn't come from God. If we have one of those three sitting inside of us tonight, and we have a choice as to whether that gets to run us in our life, and in America, it's easy to do. You deserve everything you got. You actually deserve more than what you got. And somebody needs to give it to us. Isn't that the mindset of America tonight? I deserve this. Now, that's a very prideful place to be. And God, if he loves us, is going to take us off of that throne quickly. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which, is, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Do you hear that? The approval is going to come from God when we overcome the devil. 
Now that might mean our neighbor sitting next to us or the guy that we like to call and get advice from, he may not agree with that, but his agreement has to fall in line with the Bible. The approval comes from God, right? That's what this just says. So we don't worry about the others. We don't have to seek out the others. We need to know what God is saying. So we have to let that come in. And if we successfully overcome Satan, then there's going to be a crown of life that is awarded to us. That's how it comes about. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. You see, God is not the one that tempts us. It's not him that's doing it. According to the Bible, that's not what it, he's not the one doing it. Now, God is, is permitting the temptation in order to help us to stand, in order to help us to grow. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. He makes the way that we can be the overcomer. You remember Job? You know, God sold Job out. Satan's going to and fro. God says, where you been? Oh, I've just been going here and there and to and fro. Between heaven and earth, I've just been bouncing around. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. And he says, you know what? There's this fellow called Job down there. And I tell you, if you wouldn't protect him, I could get to him. Mm -hmm. Now, we put that on the devil, but what happened right before that? God said, have you considered my servant Job? God laid him out there. Go tempt him. And then he put the parameters on him. He said, you can do anything you can, but just you can't take his life. And so all this stuff comes on Job and all this temptation comes. We know he lost all of his stuff, lost his family, lost his kids. His own wife told him she gave him some poor advice. Now, Bob, you're getting ready to get married, so pay attention to this part. I'm kidding. She gave him some poor advice. She said, why don't you just curse God and die? I'm getting tired of dealing with this mess. Why don't you just curse God and die? That was poor advice from his wife, wasn't it? Very poor advice. And thank God he didn't listen to her. Because he goes on, and we got 40-some chapters, I think, in it, Brother Willie, about 41, 42 chapters, something like that, in the book of Job. And the whole while, God is just breaking Job down. Now, he was a righteous fella. God put him out there on the stump for the devil to come at, but God used that temptation to grow the man to overcome one simple thing, pride. Job's problem was pride. When he stood before God and when he told God, he said, you owe me some answers. I've been pretty faithful to you and I've been through all this. I've lost all this stuff. My wife don't even love me no more. She's trying to get me to turn against you and I've been faithful. And he gets to the place that God was wanting him to get to in the first place. And that is, he said, God, you owe me some answers. Now God commenced to tell him, I don't owe you anything, buddy. I didn't ask your advice when I laid the foundations of this earth. Where were you? Do you understand everything that I've done? Do you understand how it all functions? You do not, therefore I owe you nothing. And he goes on for a whole chapter there just rebuking Job and letting him know, I'm God, you're Job, I'm a God, I'm a spirit, you're a man, and I am the Almighty, I am the creator of all, and I owe you absolutely nothing. And you see, so he took Job to the place of saying, 
you got pride in your heart and I'm helping you to get rid of it. Right? Did you ever get that when you read the book of Job? It's kind of, you got to kind of look for it. But that's what was going on inside of him. He had some pride going on. What did we say? The lust of the flesh, pride of life. Oh, That's the things that he helps us to do. And he puts this temptation there. He gave Job an out. He gave him a way to get out. He said, but let's go back to James in verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. First, you get drawn away. That's what he says here. You get drawn away. And the bait that Satan uses is your own desires. That's the lust of the flesh. That's the pride of life. That's what he comes at us with, our own desires. And that means... It will be different from every person sitting in here tonight. As we pray tonight, one of the things you need to seek, and it needs to be daily, is, Lord, help me to search myself. See if there's any wicked way in me, something that needs to be taken care of. And you've got to be honest about it. And I'm going to tell you now, here's a hint. This is going to be a test for tonight. Here's the hint. There's something in you that God wants to fix and change. Did you know that? Amen. There's something, something to fix and change in us. In me, your walk, Brother Danny, is your walk. My walk is my walk. God may have used me and you to help one another along with it, with it, but I don't fix you. My name's not Jesus, and therefore I can't do any fixing. That's what he does. But he wants to do something different in each and every one of us. And it's different to every person. To one it may be greed. To another it may be price. To another it may be pride. To another it may be lust. To another it may be materialism. To another it may be power. To another it may be their image or their prestige. People like prestige. They like to be patted on the back. I'm not for one. I don't like that too much, but... But there's something, there's something there God's wanting to do inside of me. And t- Satan takes this bait and he dangles it in front of us. And then that's when we're enticed. We're enticed to walk on this. Enticed simply means to be tricked by an illusion. Something that ain't real. That's what an illusion is, isn't it? You're seeing things. Amen? Amen? You know they're over there talking about me. Satan wants to put that inside of your heart. Now, y'all could have come in tonight, and if you'd have had the wrong place in your heart, you'd have thought me and Mike and Sue were sitting over there talking about you. You could have done that. Any individual in here tonight, they're over there talking about me. I know what they're doing. They're over there talking about me. You see what Satan does? He puts that carrot out there. He dangles it. He entices us. Why? Because we want to believe that in the first place. So he gives us exactly what we want, exactly what we need to be enticed, and we have the choice of whether or not we're going to be enticed. And that's what that word means, is to be tricked by an illusion. The Old Testament word for enticed was beguiled, and that is what happened to Eve in the garden. Right? The serpent told her only enough truth, only enough truth to make her doubt God. Didn't give her the whole truth and nothing but the truth. He gave her a little bit of truth, twisted it, bent it, twisted it, not done this with it. Now she's been enticed. Now she's took the bait. And now 
she's going against God. Sin enters into the world. And then when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. You see that? You see, here's where we have the choice. You can't help that you were deceived or that you were tempted. And you can't help that you've been drawn away. And you can't help that you've been enticed. That's the nature of the world. That's what Satan's going to do. That's what he's going to try to do. Christ was tempted in all points like as we, yet he sinned not. It's not the sin to be tempted. It's the sin when we fall into it. It's the sin whenever we give into it, when we let it come. And you see, we have... This is where the choice comes in. We choose to say, all right, you're not tempting me. I know this is a trick by you, Satan. I know this is what you're doing. I'm not going to be drawn away by that. But see, what he does is he, is he takes and he tempts us, and then he starts drawing us away. When he draws us away, what's the one thing he's doing? He's drawing us away from the body of believers. He's drawing us away from God, drawing us away from truth. And that's what he does, and he's so skilled, he's so good at it, and he draws us away. And then that enticement comes, and that's when the thoughts start coming. And he says, oh, that's truth. And instead of finding God and letting God help us with it, we start finding other people to help us build up the case. Can I tell you something? That's what we don't do. That's where, it, that's where, the, that's where the sin lies, and that's called sin, by the way. Well, I ain't drinking, I ain't smoking, and I ain't chewing. Yeah, but you got this going on in your life, and Satan is it's different from every one of us, how he's going to attempt us. But now you must choose before you, get, before you act on the temptation, and when you act on the temptation, you now have conceived it. Now sin has been born. Now it's gone from something simple to take care of, now it's a little more difficult to take care of. You see what happens? He gives us something now, it's not being conceived. It's kind of like... When the baby gets here, it's now another story, isn't it? You got to feed it. You got to take care of it. You're responsible for it. And well, I'm not, that's a, kind of a bad analogy to try to use, but you see what I'm talking about. Now that's been born, this sin has been born, and what you've done whenever that happens in your life, you've given the devil the inroads to your soul. And until that road has been repaired, he'll continue to come in. He'll continue to come in. He'll continue to come in. He'll continue and continue and continue. And folks, if you conceive it, you will do it again and again and again and again. And it gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger in your life. That's what happens. That's what it means to give birth to sin. And the more you excuse it, the more it takes over. And the more you allow it in your life, the more it controls you, and the less you control it. Amen? That's a good word tonight. And we need to be paying attention to that. See, when we allow sin, by our own permission to continue and to reign, it will bring forth, eventually, death. That's what he's saying here. We give it permission to have reign in our life. We give it permission that it was born. We can give it permission to reign in our lives, to rule and reign in our lives, and eventually it will bring forth death. 
And it's not talking about physical death, it's talking about spiritual death. It's exactly what James was talking about. Who was he talking to? Brothers. James is a good one to go against the once saved, always saved doctrine. James is a good place to go and find a whole lot of ammunition against that. Because he's talking to the brethren and he says, guess what, you let it come in, if you don't overcome it, it's going to bring forth death. And he ain't talking about you're going to die when you're 80 or when you're 50. He's going to talk about what's going to happen is your spiritual death. Boy, isn't that scary? And Satan says, I'm going to come in in any way I can. What you and I need to do, we need to identify the routes or the routes that he's going to take to come inside of our hearts. Don't ask Bob what Bob thinks. You can ask, you can ask Bob, just listen to Bob. But if Bob gives you poor advice that goes against the word of God, you don't need to be asking Bob anymore. Well, Bob's a good Christian. Well, he may be, but Bob doesn't know the word because Bob didn't give you good sound advice. Amen? And Satan wants Bob to do exactly that because now that's when it gets birth, that's when it gets born, and that's when it consumes us, it takes over, and we allow it to happen. Dangerous place to be. He concludes with, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Being deceived simply means that you have made, chosen to make excuses rather than choices. Don't shovel that over on the guy next to you. Husbands and wives, don't shovel it over on each other. No, you take it in and let it come right here and, and deal with us. Amen. Talking about the tabernacle, God says there's a way to do it. When you get into the holy place, I've got the showbread there, which represents the word of God. And I've got the lampstand there, which represents the illumination of God or the Holy Spirit, who's going to teach you all things. And that's where the growth happens. That's a part of the process. And we got all the New Testament to help us with that. So tonight, when you pray, I want you to also pray for yourself. It's good to be praying for others, and others need to be prayed for. We have our prayer requests, and that's what we're going to do now is we're going to go into our time of prayer. But I want to ask you, before you even look at your card and you bring those people up before you, I love my wife, and I'm going to pray for my wife tonight, but first, I'm going to pray for me. Lord, help me. Brother Willie, you love Sister Margaret, and ain't nothing more. We want to see her just be recovered and come out of this thing and be just as fine as frogs hair. Oh, and I know that God can do it. But tonight, brother, don't be tempted to go there yet. Pray for Brother Willie. Pray for you first. You and God get things set. You and God work it out, whatever it might be. Then we can go into him for prayer for others. Amen? Sometimes we like to pat ourselves on the back when we prayed. There's a lot of good, good testimonies this week. Sister Frances' grandbaby came fine through the surgery. They had a safe trip. All kinds of testimonies this week of what God's been doing. So we know that he can. We know that he's able. That with God, all things are possible. But tonight, let's pray first for me, ourselves. Then we'll pray for our requests. If you want to team up with somebody, that's fine. If you want to pray alone, that's fine. But no more excuses. No more excuses.